uh, several months ago, I was fortunate uh, to be one of the um, first to receive by mail my shiny brand new iPhone 4S. For many people, that would be no big deal. But you see, for, for me, I had been waiting five years to finally wait for Sprint to carry the iPhone and so I could finally get an iPhone and, and, and be welcomed into you know, the, the 21st century and the world of technology as you know it and live it. I had been trying to make do with, an, with uh, a Palm Pre and, and there's no substitute for the real thing, the iPhone. Actually, all smartphones bring some abilities and capabilities nowadays, but there's something cool about the iPhone, the way it's designed. I'm an Apple fan, but nevertheless, once you get it, there's this whole universe of stuff that it, that, that it leads you or opens the doors to. Most of it through what we call apps. And uh, anyone who has a smartphone has apps, applications, apps for short there. There's a whole marketplace of these things, hundreds of thousands of things that help you do things that you thought you could handle yourself until you found there was an app for that, and then you realized, why have I been doing this myself when an app could do it for me? My second favorite app on my iPhone is called Yelp. Uh, Yelp, I think it's a real word, but uh, for me, it's somewhere between yelling and calling for help. Yelp is an app that uh, you can search for uh, things in the area, uh, whatever neighborhood that you're in, you can type in a uh, request for, oh, is there, a, is there a Target store nearby? And it'll pop up along with reviews, maps, directions, phone, and all. It's kind of like Yellow Pages, but what's neat about Yelp in particular is that it has user reviews. Uh, anyone can type in there whether they had a good experience or not. And I found this app most helpful when I'm looking for something to eat. No matter what you're hungry for, you type it in there and then listings will come up and you can click on there and see what other people ate and how they liked it. I'll tell you why this was especially useful. My wife and I like to travel and oftentimes when we're traveling we might have our kids or we might be with friends and uh, if you've ever traveled one of the hardest things to do when you're traveling is find good food because not every place that looks good on the outside is actually good on the inside. Not every menu that sounds good actually tastes good and Yelp is this app that allows you to sort of Pull through and see what other people really think, not just what the restaurant says, this is the world's best whatever. Uh, and so we use it quite a bit, especially when we're places where we're not familiar, uh, such as when we're in a different city and uh, we don't know where you know, to get good tacos there or where there's a vegan restaurant, and, and you just put it in there and yelp, shoots out all these things. It's, it's really useful. And since this little, wonderful little app came into my life, I've been eating pretty good. <laughs> Probably a little too good. If you needed to find a place to eat, if you needed to get some food or get some good food or, or be able to feed uh, you know, the people you're traveling with, how would you go about getting a recommendation? How would you know where to find food? or a place to feed your family. How would you know? Especially if you were in a familiar, would you stop at the gas station and ask recommendation from the person behind the counter? Would you flag down a taxi or some bus driver or, or stop somebody on the street? Hey, do you, how would you get a recommendation? How would you find the right place to take your family or your friends? Um, in most situations, you'd want to get a recommendation from somebody who's a local. 
somebody who knows their way around. Here in Bonita, we always ask Jean. Uh, Jean knows everything about Bonita, and she can tell you what's up and what's down. And, uh, and that's the best way to get a good recommendation is to ask a local, somebody from nearby. Yelp tries to kind of uh, get around that by getting people who are locals who you may not be friends with to give you this information. So I found it very useful. But where I use Yelp, what would you use? What do you use? If you ever need to find good food, if you ever need to find a place to eat or food to feed a large group, who do you ask? How do you find out? The best advice is if you don't have Yelp and you don't own an iPhone, um, is to ask a local. Find somebody who knows their way around so they can give you the insider's information. And I think that's exactly what uh, Jesus did in this story. Please open your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 6. We are in the book of John, fourth book of the New Testament. And we find Jesus asking for our recommendation. Book of John, chapter 6. If you're visiting with us today, there's a Bible in the pew right in front of you. Take a look at that. And if you brought your own, fantastic. Feel free to... um, Follow along with us as we read the story. We are in John chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. And they went up to the mountainside, and Jesus went up to the mountainside, sat with his disciples. The Jewish Passover was near. And Jesus looked up and saw the great crowd coming toward him, and he turned to Philip and he said, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? So, Jesus had been at work. He had been uh, spreading his message, his good news, healing people, uh, 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 rescuing people from oppression, delivering people from, uh, from, from demon possession. And Jesus had been making his way throughout his hometown, his home region. Before this, he had been on the other side of the country, but he had now come home. People at first didn't receive him very well, but after watching him, after observing him, probably for the span of about a year, They had seen him do many impressive things, and he had gained quite a following. And so we find him in this story making his way across his his home region, but moving from his hometown to the other side, the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. It's possible that Jesus was tired of having people follow him. He was tired of being surrounded. He had this kind of fame by now, and even in his hometown, and he, he wanted to sort of get away. So he and his special group made their way across to try to get away from all these crowds. Maybe just spend some quiet time resting, relaxing, maybe you know, just decompressing a little bit. But the Bible tells us that even though he made it all the way to the other side and went up on the mountainside, quite possibly a, uh, not a habitated place, sort of an empty uh, mountainside, a, a, a bit barren to sort of just get away. Even though when he got all the way up there, he noticed, he looked up and he saw great crowds coming towards him. It's as if the people have watched him get in the boat and made his way across. It's as if people had noticed and followed him and they just kept going. By this time... Jesus had done lots of things in the region, and word about him had spread. He had healed the sick, cast out demons. He had raised people that appeared to be dead back to life. And as the story spread, so did people's desire to come close and see it for themselves. And so we find here in this story that Jesus is being crowded in once again. 
by a large crowd. And the Bible tells us that when he looks up and he sees the crowd, he turns to Philip and he says, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? The other Gospels tell the same story. Not everyone uses those names. The book of John does, probably because it's an eyewitness account. And Jesus turns to Philip and he says, Philip, help me find a place to eat. See, Philip was from this area. It's possible that he would have the locals' information. And Jesus turns to him and he says, where should we eat? Where should we buy some bread for these people to eat? What do you think? He turns to Philip and he says, uh, um, give me a recommendation. You're from around here. You must know how to find things or where to get things. Where should we buy food for these people to eat? The Bible says that he asked us only to test him, for he had already in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answers him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. The Bible hasn't yet told us how many people there are, but as they're sitting on this mountainside, as Jesus is looking out at the crowd, and, and he's, he's gauging the size and the time of day, and he's trying to survey the scene and, and, and think to himself where they have come from, how long it's taking them to get here. Philip has also been taking his own count. He's been observing the size of the group. He's been calculating. He's been thinking. In fact, the Bible tells us uh, through the other stories that it's possible that uh, Jesus had made this question and then the disciples could uh, pro probably went out to try to figure this out. But after some time of trying to find an answer, they come back to him and they said it's not possible because, because, because Philip answers this way, even eight months' wages would not buy enough. For everyone to just have a simple bite. How much do you make in a month? Those of you that have jobs. I, I, I'm not really quite sure how his math works or how he calculated what the price of bread would be. Uh, but he calculated eight months. It's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a strange response uh, because he could have said, it's not possible. But he actually gives Jesus dollar figure. And when Jesus asks him, the Bible tells us that Jesus was, was getting his wheels turning. There was something he wanted to tell Philip. There was something he wanted to uh, 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 convince in Philip's heart. And, and what Philip responds to Jesus' request, where should we buy food? Where should we buy? Philip says, this dollar amount is not enough. Eight months wages. He says, not even for everyone to have a bite. When you're hungry, how much do you eat? Would you settle for just a bite? Philip is trying to say, look, this is, uh, you don't understand the kind of request you've just made. Yes, I'm a local. I know where to buy things cheap, but this is ridiculous. Eight months wages is a lot of money, on, you know, regardless of what you make, eight months of it is a lot of money. Philip says eight months is not enough for everyone to have just a single bite. He's going for hyperbole here. He's trying to make his case, make a statement that says to Jesus, this is not possible. This is, why even bother? But what's interesting about the story here is that Jesus actually makes the request. See, it's not common for Jesus to feed the people. He's not in the restaurant business. 
That was never really Jesus' primary concern when he was out preaching and teaching. His primary concern was healing, bringing freedom, relieving people of oppression. Generally speaking, Jesus wasn't trying to meet people's daily needs. Because see, the way Jesus operates is he doesn't meet needs that you yourself can meet on your own. Jesus is not in the business of treating you like a spoiled child. Jesus is not trying to do for you what you are fully capable of doing for yourself. He comes to bring freedom from oppression where you are being oppressed and you cannot be set free unless the power of God through Jesus Christ delivers you. So it was not his primary concern to feed people. People could do that for themselves, and they generally would. But in this particular case, he's getting at something. So he turns to Philip. This isn't the first time large crowds have gathered. This is a, lo- a pretty unusually large crowd, but it isn't the first time because Jesus is accustomed to having people. In fact, more often than not, people would be bringing food to Jesus, trying to invite him over, trying to have him over for a party, trying to you know, hold a feast for him. But in this particular case, as Jesus is getting away and the crowd comes, he turns to Philip and he says, Where should we buy food? And Philip's response, covered in a dollar sign, is essentially, why bother? Jesus looks out at the crowd, sees something that Philip does not. So he asks Philip, do you see that? And Philip says, why bother? Not even eight months' wages would not be enough have you ever had that feeling that it's not enough? Have you ever had that feeling where you're trying to do something, trying to accomplish a, a, a task or, 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 or get through a situation and there's just not enough? This past week, the youth group and I were uh, planning to go on Magic Mountain. We're super excited. Uh, um, some of them hadn't been before or it had been quite a long time. And so, uh, you know, we had... Uh, sheets, and I told everyone to call me and let me know, and that we were trying to provide rides for everyone, and then we asked from you volunteers, and um, we got three volunteers to help us drive, so there was just four of us uh, drivers, um, <clears throat> and uh, the kids had turned in their permission slips and said, I'm going, I'm going, and uh, on, um, on Tuesday, we went on Wednesday, on Tuesday, I was trying to make the, the, the ride situa- situation match out. Having done youth ministry for quite a while, I know that there's always kids who say they're coming that don't show up. But there's also kids who don't say anything, and they just show up anyway. And we were trying to do the math in our heads, and by the end of the day on Tuesday, we realized we did not have enough rides. So we called Mr. Ebenezer at church, and uh, I thought, this is not going to work. But, but somebody said, all you have to do is ask. Just, I got this text. All you have to do is ask. And I called Mr. Ebenezer, and he was so gracious. He let us borrow it. Mr. Uh, Mr. Gifford was able to get the van. And so we had this big van, able to take 10 people, and plus it. So we thought, okay, this is covered. But when I pulled up on Wednesday morning and saw all the other cars, all the other cars and all the other parents and saw all the other kids, there was that feeling. There's not enough. Have you ever felt like that? Like you're responsible, and there's just not enough? Well, there was uh, too many kids, not enough rides. Um, and I didn't want to be the one 
to say to someone, you can't go to Magic Mountain today. Um, God provided that day, mm, somewhat miraculously, I'm going to say. <laughs> but um, well, we have had another van. We're able to take them. But for the moment there, for the moment when you see the kids and you see the situation, there comes this feeling of dread that says it's not enough. And, and Jesus looks around, and he is stating the obvious, where are we going to buy food? And you know, because you're a student of the word of God, there's at least 5,000 men, which probably means that the crowd was closer to 10,000 people, men, women, and children. And Jesus says, where can we buy food enough for 10,000 people? And, 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 and Philip says, there's no way. There is not enough. Obviously, there's not enough. But he still asks Philip the question, and Philip says, not even eight months' wages would be enough. The Bible tells us that another of his disciples, Andrew, spoke up, and he says, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will this go among so many? You've probably heard the story, children's story, of seeing a little felt somewhere in your life, or, 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 or maybe had to tell it yourself. Um, and this is part of the story that, you know, we like to tell because there's a little boy in the picture. We don't know. It could have been a little boy or a 17-year-old. They've all been classified the same way. But somebody has a sack lunch. Probably not the only person in the group. But as I read the story, it kind of fascinates me because the way this particular uh, book tells it, Andrew just offers up this guy's lunch. The way, the, the, the way John tells the story, Andrew says, look, this dude's got some food. And he just volunteers it. Nowhere do we really see uh, the boy or the young man saying, well, I'm, I'm willing to share. Clearly he had or somebody had thought in advance about the fact that he was going to be gone a long time, that he would get hungry, and he packed enough snacks. I tried to do the same. I had a box of chips in the car, some candy bars for the trip, the, uh, the ride this last Wednesday, because people get hungry. And if you're going to be gone a long time, people get hungry. And everybody knows that when you're hungry, you're not yourself. <laughs> Somebody got that in there. Snickers fans, I see you. Everybody knows that. And, and, and so at least this person was prepared. But in a group of 10,000, it's illogical to think that only one person had brought a sack lunch. Because you know the types. Every family has those that just fly by the seat of their pants. They come unprepared. But every family has that one little piggy that plans, builds their house, that one little ant that gathers. Every family has that. In a group of 10,000, there surely would be more than one person who had planned and prepared to have a sack lunch. But the Bible tells us here that Andrew says, look, here's some food. And he says, but how far will this go among so many? And I began to ask myself, what was Andrew trying to get at? Is he piling on the ridiculous nature of the request? Is he saying, you want to feed 10,000 people? Why even bring up five little pieces of bread and two small fish? And the truth is, unlike what you've seen, maybe these big fish that could have been diced up into 10,000 pieces, it was probably an anchovy. Dried up, pickled little anchovy, and it's pretty small as is. I don't eat fish, but I, I've seen them eat, and it's very pretty small. You can't dice that thing up very far. Probably two little pieces of anchovy, mostly for, for flavoring and the, and the five barley loaves. And it's not even good bread. Barley, barley bread is like for animals in their culture. 
they would be low quality, a, a real poor man's lunch. And Andrew brings and he says, look, but we've got this. And I began to ask myself, is Andrew trying to make fun of Jesus? Is he trying to ridicule Jesus? Maybe. Maybe not. And yet, I wonder if sometimes you and I aren't trying to make fun of Jesus when he's trying to help. Jesus says, where shall we buy bread for these people? There's an implied nature there, not can we do it? How will we do it? He says, where? Where shall we buy bread? Philip says, there's not enough money. We do not possess enough money. It is not enough. We cannot find enough bread. We don't have enough money to buy bread. This is too big a task. And why should we bother? Then Andrew says, look, there's a little bit of bread. But, but what can you do with this? Each of them is issuing a challenge to Jesus, and Jesus responds with this phrase, have the people sit down. I love that phrase. I love that phrase. It's like Jesus saying, are you ready for this? Are you sitting down? You know, when you're about to lower the boom on somebody, tell them what's going on, you say, you better take a seat. Sit down for this. I love that phrase. Jesus says, have the people sit down. Create a level of expectation. Theologians say, oh, maybe it's so that it was, uh, uh, you know, easier to maneuver. No, no, no. I say Jesus is saying, get ready. Don't stand up. Sit down and get ready. Watch this. Check this out. Jesus says, have the people sit down. And then he takes the loaves, gives thanks, and begins to distribute. I begin to think in my mind, because... Like I said, you know, I've heard this story since I was a child. How it would look, like he would tear a piece of bread and just keep tearing and just keep tearing. Have you ever imagined that? Or take the little anchovy and, and just, or just keep passing. And just, or just anchovies just keep coming out of his shirt. Or is he filling up baskets like this? Is he throwing? Throw, how, how is it possible to get 10,000 people fed out of five? I don't know how, but the Bible says that Jesus begins to distribute. I love that. He begins to distribute. He doesn't like, he doesn't uh, 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 hold back. He doesn't say, now let me see who, who gets it. He begins to distribute. He's giving away in mass. I don't know how long it takes. I've never tried to feed this many. I've tried to feed 500 or so. Took a while. I didn't do it. The the hotel did it. But anyway, um, it, it would probably take a long time, probably hours to get food from one basket or one lunch pack to 10,000. And I can kind of imagine Jesus' arm getting tired, you know, passing fish, passing bread, pass. I don't know. Clearly there's a, there's a statement of, of, of something that is not human taking place here. And the Bible tells us that the food was distributed to everyone and everyone who was seated got as much as they wanted. Not only did they get a bite, they got as much as they wanted. I mean, put yourself in the, in the crowd for just a second. Maybe you planned, maybe you didn't. It's late in the day, you're hungry. And Jesus tells everyone, sit down. The level of expectation begins to raise. What's going to happen? What are we doing now? And Jesus raises the bread and begins to pass it out. Would you want just a bite of that? Or would you want more? Would you want to take a few bread and stick it in your bag for later? Some people are like that. It's an all-you-can-eat buffet, but you still put it in your... I know who you are. 
Would you take some for later to say to others, check this out, you're not going to believe this. This bread has magical powers. It keeps going and going and going. Check out this fish. I don't really know, but the Bible tells us that even when everyone had gathered or eaten enough, they began to gather the pieces. Jesus says, let nothing be wasted. So there were filled 12 baskets with the leftover. 12 baskets with the leftover. And the Bible then says, are the after the people saw the miraculous signs that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this was the prophet who has come into the world. This is an interesting story because it's actually the climax of Jesus' popularity in this region. In the very next chapters, in the very next stories, the people begin to turn on Jesus. But up until this point, Jesus' popularity is just getting bigger and bigger. So what we see here is we see 10,000 people, that's his largest crowd in support. And Jesus made sure that every single person not only watched him, but tasted him and his miraculous power. There were 10,000 people gathered. They saw that he had authority over sickness because that's what they were following him. They saw that he had authority over uh, religious figures because they saw him and they heard about him cleaning out the temple back in Jerusalem. They saw that he had ability to cast out demons, ability, power, authority over spiritual things. And now they had come to watch and see and Jesus literally delivered a bite into their mouths so that they could taste with their own tongues and their own stomachs the reality of who he was. And the Bible tells us that the people there sitting down say, wow, now I believe that Jesus is a prophet. But what's interesting is that just after that, I mean, just, just after that, they all turn on him. They all turn on him. You know why? Because it wasn't enough. Even to taste the miracle power of Jesus in your own mouth was not enough. They had come to see and said uh, themselves, if I see it with my own eyes, I will believe. If he can heal my child, I will believe. If he gets rid of my you know, problems, then I'll believe. If he fixes my situation, I will finally believe in him. If he somehow deals with what I'm struggling with, then I'll believe and Jesus did all that, but it wasn't enough. If I was in Jesus' shoes, I don't think I would have tried to feed the people. See, I'm human. I'm like you. I have this tendency to give up on people. I have this tendency to respond to him much in the same way that Philip does. Why bother? Even if we wasted eight months of our wages, these people would not be satisfied. That's why he puts a dollar figure in front of there. Jesus said, do you know the cost of trying to do this? Not only are we going to waste this money, but they still won't be satisfied. And you know what? Jesus knew that. He knew exactly how much it would take. He knew exactly what he was asking. And he also knew what was going to take place. But he still feeds them. Isn't that strange? He still feeds them. He still is concerned with making sure their tummies are full on this day. He's trying to give them something beyond bread, just like he was trying to give the woman at the well something beyond water, just like he was trying to give the centurion something beyond proof. 
It's an invitation. It's an invitation to a person, not an event or a thing, but an invitation to a person. Listen, friends, those of you that are Christian, those of you that are new in the faith, those of you that have been in church for a long time, if you keep coming to the foot of the cross, if you keep coming to church, if you keep coming to the person of Jesus and asking and asking or even demanding for proof, there will never be enough. There will never be enough. Because you're evaluating Jesus with a human heart, full of selfishness and pride. Jesus wants to give you something bigger than that, something more significant. He wants to give you himself, a person. You see, when you know the person, when you know the, when you know the person, there's more than enough. When you know the person of Jesus, everything is possible. No, no challenge cannot be overcome. Jesus says, it doesn't matter what the problems are, this, it doesn't matter what kind of oppression you have in this world, I have overcome this world. Nothing can hold me down. There's not a problem that you're facing, not a challenge that you're dealing with, that I cannot overcome because I am the Son of God. The God that made this whole thing, the God that formed you together, the God that can cleanse, that can heal, that can overcome every situation. I am He. And if you just want bites, if all you want is to better your circumstances or get out of this problem, that's all you're ever going to get. I want to give you me. The whole thing. Jesus is more than enough for whatever you got going. Even if it is hunger, financial trouble, even if it is unfaithfulness, depression, physical hurt, sickness, he is more than enough. So why settle for just a little bite? Why settle for just the leftovers? Why settle for just a little bit of proof when you can have all of him. When Jesus is available for you today, why just settle for a little bit? If your relationship with him is dependent on circumstances, it doesn't matter. Even if he gives you a miracle today, you'll just as easily turn. But Jesus doesn't want a relationship with you based on circumstance. He wants a relationship with you based on the fact that he loves you as you are, no matter what. He wants to give you his entire self. And you can give him your entire self. And that's where the fountains of living waters flow. That's where people don't get hungry anymore. That's where peace that goes beyond human understanding rises from. That's where strength beyond human capacity comes from. That's where determination, perseverance, faith, hope, and even love are born. It's in the heart and in the life of Jesus Christ, and he wants to give you that. For he is and always will be more than enough. Accept him today. Please. Please.